Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's January 24th. 1536, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. As a young man, Henry VIII was said to have been light-hearted and merry and actually pretty hot, so much so that an ambassador at the Tudor court reported that His Majesty had an extremely fine calf to his leg and a round face so very beautiful it would become a pretty woman. But by the end of his life at the age of 56, he had ulcerated legs, failing eyesight and an explosive temper, not to mention that he'd ballooned to 28 stone, and all quite possibly because of a rather hideous jousting accident that he suffered on this day in 1536. Well, that look would not become a pretty woman, would it? <laughs> Ulcerated legs walking down the street, the kind of monarch I'd like to meet. I'm pleased to hear about his shapely calves, though, because I have those too, just for the record. Do you? Yeah. Um, so it's good to know that back in the day, I would have, as you said, been considered hot. I, I, I doubt that was the language of the Tudor court. Yeah. <laughs> but in fact, Henry VIII did wear restrictive garters to show off these shapely calves, and that may have contributed to the varicose ulcers, which never healed and increasingly restricted his mobility. Uh, but we're not here to talk about his ulcers, really. We're mostly we're here, here to, to talk, talk about, about Ollie's legs. <laughs> no, we're here to talk about his brain injury, which may have been caused by this jousting accident. Mm. Yeah, and this wasn't even his first jousting accident. It was a pretty dangerous pastime. In fact, about 20 years later, Henri II of France would be fatally injured jousting. And so mm. Henry had actually had an injury 12 years earlier, which actually sounds like it could have been much worse than this, but apparently he sort of walked away from it. He was struck in the head at full tilt. He forgot to lower his visor while testing a new suit of armour in a joust with the Duke of Suffolk and according to chronicler Edward Hall the Duke struck the king on the brow right under the guard of the headpiece on the very skull cap and apparently the headpiece was full of splinters from the force of the blow but seemingly he kind of walked away from that one it's good actually having already covered chariot racing this year to now learn about jousting because uh, I didn't really know what it looked like so I headed onto the internet and it turns out there's a show on the History Channel called Full Metal Jousting which is it's I mean for me, it's difficult viewing because I have a regularly redislocating shoulder caused by a sports injury. So it is a bit of a traumatic uh, experience seeing this happen. But essentially, as a spectator, you are watching two armoured horsemen. Back in Henry VIII's day, the horses would have been armoured too, with wooden lances in their arms. And then the sport is just, at speed, poking each other in the <laughs> chest or shoulder to make the other guy fall off his horse. That's yeah. it. Yeah. And it was a, it was a favourite sport of Henry VIII and he did it pretty much throughout his entire life. But this particular incident in 1536 saw him not just knocked from his horse but also the horse, fully armoured, as you mentioned, Ollie, fell on top of him and he himself Ooh. was in full armour too. And according to the records at the time, he was knocked unconscious for a good two hours and when he came to he wasn't able to speak at all. So people were pretty worried about him, including actually his then wife, his second wife, Anne Boleyn, who apparently miscarried not very long after this event, uh, which some people attributed to the stress of seeing her husband sort of almost uh, killed in this uh, in this really horrible fashion. 
Yeah, and that actually opened up another interesting historical what if, which was that the child was apparently a male. So if she had mm. carried the baby to term and she had given Henry VIII an heir, how would the course of English history have been different, particularly for Anne Boleyn? Because just a few months later, she would be executed. Her fall from grace really began around this time. And a lot of historians have suggested that it began with this miscarriage, which you know, kind of scuppered Henry VIII's hopes that she would bring him this fresh mm. start and this heir. And he started to see her as a bit of a burden instead. And what I find very interesting about this is that um, his opponent was not recorded. Mm, yeah. The guy that felled Henry VIII from his horse and caused him essentially to go into a coma for two hours yeah. is not recorded to history. I don't know if that's because it was embarrassing to the king that someone did that to him so that his, the name of this guy would never be written down or whether it was because he was you know, quietly taken off and tortured and they didn't want people to, to trace that. It's particularly notable given that in the 1524 jousting accident that you mentioned, Rebecca, his opponent was mentioned. It was his brother-in-law, Charles Brandon. So yeah, you do wonder what was going on here or whether, in fact, what, what it was to do with was the fact that he wasn't unseated by his opponent but just fell off his horse. He was 44 at this time, which, you know, in the Tudor era was a you know, decent amount of age. So it was probably fair to say that he was past his jousting peak at this point. Yeah, but he used to be a fitty, Rebecca, and those shapely calves yeah. clinging onto the horse, that would have helped his balance. <laughs> Don't think surely. I wasn't listening with great attention to Arian's intro. <laughs> Reading between the lines, there's maybe some evidence that there was a, a bit of a cover-up around the incident and how serious it was, because although there was one account, it was from the Holy Roman Emperor's Italian ambassador, he was the one that wrote about Henry supposedly not being able to speak and being knocked unconscious, mm. but Eustace Chapuy, who was another ambassador for Charles V, the Holy Roman Emperor, wrote that, quote, everyone thought it was a miracle he was not killed but then claims he sustained no injury and later on Thomas mm. Cromwell declared the king to be in perfect health however at the same time the papal envoy in France wrote to the Vatican that this accident might push Henry back to the Catholic Church so it was clearly a subject of international gossip and clearly it was considered mm. serious enough that it might consider him to return to the fold yeah and I mean Arian was talking about people being concerned for his health during this two hours that he was unconscious they also as we've explored uh, when we've discussed this historical era before would have been concerned that they were backing the right monarch mm. right if the king's apparently about to die the court have then quite discreetly i presume got to go around deciding are they team mary or are they team elizabeth whilst they're supposedly trying to help the king recover you know if they got it wrong they would have been on the wrong side of history and ended up like berlin yeah i mean the business of this being the moment at which he underwent some huge personality change where he shifted from being a kind innocent merry chap to a tyrannical chap was sort of put forward most clearly by this history channel documentary inside the body of henry the eighth where this historian lucy worsley and a henry the eighth biographer robert hutchinson and a doctor called Catherine hood put forward this idea that it was brain injury that caused him to shift to be the horrible person that we know but actually that sort of overlooks the historical evidence that his tyranny had begun much earlier. For example, shortly after taking the throne, he executed uh, Edmund Dudley and Sir Richard Empson for constructive treason, which I, I love as a charge. It's, sort of, it's not treason per se, but it's, uh, it's heading towards a treasonous kind of attitude. Um, and then he also had brought down Cardinal uh, Thomas Wolseley, who was the man who essentially ran the country for him from 1515 to 1529, just because Wolseley wasn't able to convince the Pope to give him an annulment. And he'd also already had Thomas More, his former Chancellor, executed the year before this accident. So he's already showing signs of this t 
tyrannical streak. Yeah, I think if there is any suggestion he did suffer some kind of brain injury, it might be some damage to the frontal lobe, which is the part of the brain that controls higher functions like social, intellectual kind of skills, particularly self-control and reasoning. And these are things that Henry seems to have lost track of a bit after this accident. He had, as you mentioned, Arian, already committed some pretty brutal and ruthless acts. But it was after this point that he seemed quite prone to public loss of self-control. He became quite paranoid. And he also had some pretty serious memory lapses. So uh, one notable one, in 1546, he ordered his then wife, Catherine Parr, to be sent to the Tower of London. But when soldiers arrived the next day to seize her, he had completely forgotten ever doing that and he was sitting there comforting her. And then flew into another fit of rage when he remembered what he'd done the night before, apparently. (laughs) I mean, he must have been a very difficult man to serve. Was he comforting her because of what he had done to her? Was that the comfort? Like in complete ignorance, like, oh no! Oh, that Henry VIII guy, such a jerk. (laughs) (laughs) But I find it bizarre that you are even sort of debating this as a theory. Uh, it seems obvious to me that I mean maybe he was a jerk before as well. I mean yeah. that seems. Apparent. I think that's but <laughs> that's. Quite he lucky. was unconscious for two hours. It is a historical fact that he was documented beforehand as being kind and gregarious, and then afterwards as a tyrant with constant pain, and that is correlative, isn't it? And if you look at the kind of injuries that we know about American footballers sustaining these days, leading to pretty erratic and physically devastating behaviour. You know, explosive anger, headaches, insomnia, memory problems, inability to control impulses and impotence. All of those things are documented around Henry VIII. It seems absolutely a done deal, doesn't it, that this is what affected him? Well, there is medical support for the theory that you want me so desperately to believe, Ollie Mann, from the Yale School of Medicine, which was... Oh, uh, but they don't count. I mean, that's not a proper source, is it? (laughs) Okay, well, look, I'm about to back you up. So Dr. Arash Saladini uh, investigated the whole business of uh, this changing personality, this idea of a changing personality in in Henry and his demeanour over his lifetime. And they outright rejected the idea that it could be down to a combination of diabetes and hypothyroidism and psychosis, which some people have suggested could account for that whole picture. But they said, according to their understanding of traumatic brain injury, it really could only have been caused by these many hunts and jousting tournaments that he had uh, been involved in and suffered blows to the head within. So there is support for that theory, but it's too long ago for it to have been completely uh, determined. And they said, sure, of miraculously finding his preserved brain in a jar, it's always going to remain a matter of contention. Yeah, it's a shame there isn't any footage because then we could have celebrity full metal jousting. (laughs) I'm here for that. (laughs) Tomorrow. He wrote it as part of a suite Mm. of incidental music, almost like a 19th century concept album. Love the show? Support the show. Patreon.com slash retrospectors. Part of the ACAST Creator Network.